Now don't talk, all right? Please. <clears throat> I need to ask you a favor. I haven't seen my parents in a long time, right? Because I just got out of jail. <clears throat> I was innocent. Okay. Before I went away, I made up a few lies, all right? I said I was married. I also told them that I worked for the government and that I would be away for a long time. Now, what I need you to do is I need you to come to my parents' house with me, all right? And pretend to be my wife. Acting, all right? Well, today's your big debut, your big break. This is acting, all right? You're my wife. So that means you adore me, you love me, you cherish me. Jesus Christ, you can't live without me. Now, the story would go like this. We met in high school, and uh, we were sweethearts, whatever. You loved me, you've been in love with me your whole life, all right? And uh, your new name would be Wendy Balsam. All right? Don't worry about the details, all right? I'll take over. Just be nice. When you get there, be a decent girl, all right? Be nice. Uh, what's your name? What's your real name? Layla. Layla. No, that's no good. We'll stick with Wendy Balsam, okay? You're Wendy Balsam. So basically, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to come there and make me look good, all right? And if you make a fool out of me, I swear to God... I'll kill you right there. Boom. Right in front of mommy and daddy. And I'll tell you something else. If you make me look bad, I will never, ever talk to you again. Ever. But if you do a good job, well, then you could be my best friend. My best friend that I've ever had. You hear me? All right. <clears throat> Let's keep driving, all right? We're going to go. Keep driving. What's your name? My name is Billy. Billy Brown. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 260. Buffalo 66. That's right. Buffalo, New York. Sort of a an epicenter of listenership for us. <laughs> Mostly because I'm friends with people who grew up in the region. Yeah, this is probably a biographical oh my film God. for several of the, our listeners. <laughs> Dude, the whole Denny sequence is an important part of the movie, but no idea how many nights of my life spent <laughs> at a Denny's in a Denny's bathroom. Me to like... <laughs> Having a meltdown. Crying, saying, I hate my life, and I, need, I should be dead. <laughs> because some girl that you wanted to go out with doesn't really remember you and humiliates you. <laughs> While you're real. with some other girl that you kidnapped. <laughs> Who I'm making take the name of that other girl. <laughs> yeah, what Ooh. a legendarily cringe moment yeah. when she's like, I'm Wendy Balsam too. <laughs> 
and just the no sell oh i know from the real one it just like doesn't even react to that like okay yeah it's tough <laughs> okay folks we're talking about buffalo 66 from 1998 directed by america's sweetheart vincent gallo and yes we will spend a lot of time talking about gallo and his various exploits it was written by gallo with allison bagnell not really sure who that is, although it did seem like she had some other writing credits out there. Okay. So before we dive into this, I want to say almost legendary yeah. indie film of the 90s, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, where I'll tweet out links to the episodes and then also my commentary on the as-of-yet-unreleased On A Day Armas Project, Blonde. <laughs> The Netflix Marilyn Monroe movie, which I like to tweet about or favorite other tweets about. Highly anticipated. Yes, everyone looking forward to it. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., wherever you can find us. That way you never miss an episode. Yeah, maybe we can pick up some of the people that are like part of the mass exodus from Spotify right now looking for new material. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we don't say anything that pisses people off. If you'd like a sticker or have a listener request, you can let us know on Twitter, and we will send that sticker out to you for free if you want to support the program. And finally, find Matt and myself on Letterboxd. Matt Crosby, Zach1983 is where you'll find me. We'd love to see what you're watching. You can see what we're watching besides the things we talk about on the show. A lot of heavy debate on how Letterboxd is supposed to be used. Amongst the show lately, that's it. Lately? Well, I guess maybe not too, too recently, but I checked in a rewatch this week, begrudgingly. Oh, something you had already watched yeah, yeah. and logged in. Right, right. So a, a second check-in. Was that inherent vice? And yeah. You, you didn't write a review this time. You that's broke right. your streak. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, lots of fascinating material on Letterbox <laughs> to check out. Definitely want to be a part of that. Please. So let's get into this one. It's a small independent film of the 90s it only had a 1.5 million dollar budget it made about 2.4 million at the box office but it's garnered a reputation coming out of that era of a lot of independent emerging filmmakers something that was definitely a cool moment in time in the 90s yeah it's weird for me this was the first time i actually saw this all the way through i had started it I feel like at a couple different points in my life, but just never really <laughs> just couldn't get gave it the it. run. I mean, I'm glad I did though. It's it's definitely like a cool movie. I'm mostly familiar with Vincent Gallo, the lightning rod, than <laughs> than his actual work. You know what I mean? Kind of like was aware that everyone kind of thinks this guy is a dick type thing. Yeah, he really emerged from uh, a life that seems almost cinematic in its own right. Former motorcycle racer, was a musician and an artist in the 80s, started acting a little bit. I guess his first big noteworthy thing is a very small part in Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. But he started acting in the early 80s because he's older than you would think. He was born in 61, which means he's already in his 60s now, which seems strange. Definitely older than you would think looking at him in this movie. Yeah, and... Out of those Wild West indie cinema days, he comes out, he, he starts making his own films, mostly shorts, but he, he makes his first feature here with Buffalo 66. I think in modern times, 
things like Twitter and just the way culture is now and modern sensibilities, et cetera, they would all serve as a filter and weed people like Vincent sure. Kello yeah. out. They might not get their chance. Because let's just put it out on the table. Vincent Gallo seems like a bad person. <laughs> kind of a prick. A piece of shit. Yeah. And this movie, which is probably his most known thing, is also super weird and problematic. For sure. It's a Stockholm Syndrome love story where the female character is not really that well developed. Sometimes people accuse this of functioning as like the manic pixie dream girl although i don't really I don't know if that's think that applies because you'd have to cross out manic yeah. and pixie i do think that she is sort of a, an idealized dream girl and you never really get her side of the story you don't know what's going on with her it puts a lot on the audience to i don't know i mean figure that out when i think of the manic pixie dream girl i think of the character actually moving the guy forward in some way I think this guy, our, our hero here, is sort of a lost cause. I don't, I don't know that there's a, a lot turning his life around. Well, I think the end of the movie is that she sort of redeems him and makes him think that life is worth living. In a moment. But it's more that she doesn't have her own life. Right. Her character is just to serve his yeah. chaos. Now, she does case. seem completely fictional. I will say that. Yeah, I think that... A lot of times people do fixate on how close to reality they want films to be. Right. And they forget that films can serve as art and art can be surreal. And I definitely think this movie is very surreal. Absolutely. It is super heightened and strange and it is an expression of the artist. Now, we're going to provide some reasons, I guess, as to why maybe you don't want to have the... <laughs> expression of this particular artist but beside the point i think that yeah in modern times yeah the christina ricci character would be much more fully developed and you wouldn't really want to tell this story without giving her motivation and maybe some sort of an explanation as to why she is the way she is some backstory to it maybe clearly she has daddy issues right and there's some reason that she's looking for the approval of this lunatic who abducts her. Not just being a willing participant in this journey, but almost an enthusiastic one at a certain point. Yeah, and even before he even takes her to his parents' house, she has plenty of opportunities to just escape, and she doesn't even seem interested in right. it. Right. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's get into Vincent Gallo a little bit. Just focusing on this movie first, after the fact... He was very critical of Christina Ricci. He referred to her as a quote-unquote puppet and also criticized her weight in the film. Seems insane. During filming, he didn't get along with Angelica Houston either, claiming that she caused the film to be turned down by the Cannes Film Festival. I have really no more specifics than that. <laughs> she, I don't really know what he means. A movie she was in, she lobbied against. <laughs> During the production of the film, he fired cinematographer Dick Pope and then hired Lance Accord, although Gallo claimed credit for everything, referring to Accord as a button pusher who never shot a feature film in his life, accusing him of having no ideas, no <laughs> aesthetic point of view. I do think that Gallo probably was the driving force yeah. in how this film looks. And the movie does look cool. He was adamant on what type of film they would use and the whole aesthetic thing, but... 
I think the insurance bond company refused to pay the money in, unless he hired a different cinematographer. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to do it himself. Gotcha. So I think he was just mad, but he took it out on this Lance Accord yeah, guy. Yeah, he, he just wanted everyone to know who was responsible for it. Kevin Corrigan, who appears in the film, elected to keep his name out of the credits, although that might have been just displeasure with his own performance in the film. It's not really clear, but it just adds to all the weird things going yeah, on no. with this movie. And this seems like a Kevin Corrigan-type movie. It seems yeah. like something he would be in. So I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention, at least, that Gallo, in addition to whatever his specific political opinions are, and he's always been a longtime Republican supporter and a supporter of George Bush and Trump and everything and whatever. The thing that really is problematic beyond all that is that he's very clearly a racist and has anti-Semitic opinions as well. There's even some language in this film where oh, you're yeah. like, okay, if you were very sure that he was just being a character, that would be one thing, but certainly I kind of think uh, that this is probably close to who he really is. Homophobic tirades in a moment or two yeah but there is also the question of where the distinction is between reality and performance art with him he has a very performance art personality i've seen his persona compared to like a paris hilton or something to that effect i i thought maybe the very modern equivalent would be like a kanye west or something yeah although a provocateur the big difference, though, is yeah. Paris Hilton and Kanye West are rich and successful. Well, that's a controversy equals cash, but I don't know about in Gallo's case. Yeah, he's definitely pushed it to a point that I'm not even going to get into the specifics sure. with some of the stuff that he sells on his website now. and Google it. Yeah, there's a lot of horrendous stuff going on. And I was saying to you before we started recording that even if it is all sort of a performance art character. It's too much. At a certain point, it doesn't really matter. Right. You're still doing it. I don't know, but maybe it's not. Maybe he just really is that horrible. But the big thing that he's known for, personality-wise, something that's sort of overshadowed his films and everything else, is his feud with Roger Ebert in the wake of his I, next feature film, The Brown Bunny. Well, I really consider the Brown Bunny thing to be the thing that he's most famous for. In 2003, Gallo starred in and directed the film The Brown Bunny, which chronicles a motorcycle racer's cross-country road trip and co-starred Chloe Savini. Is that how we say it? I her thought name? it was Sevigny. I've been pushing Sevigny, but I've never heard anyone say that. So I've <laughs> well, gone I back. feel like I used to say like Savini. That was like my initial instinct. And then I told you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or at least, or maybe I just adapted for years of talking to you, you know about who her. You talking about. <laughs> She's pretty famous. Right. The film, which contained a scene of Chloe performing unsimulated oral sex upon Gallo, a blowjob. A straight-up blowjob in this movie. Shocking. Received an overwhelmingly negative critical response to its can premiere and became a media scandal, in part due to Gallo's use of a still image from a sex scene on a promotional billboard. In part, the critical response discussed whether Chloe had been pressured into performing a sex act by Gallo, something which doesn't seem to be true, but at least according to her more recent interviews, it seemed like she was aware of what she was doing, but I don't know. Film critic Roger Ebert stated the Brown Bunny was the worst film in the history of Cannes. <laughs> Gallo retorted by calling Ebert a fat pig with the physique of a slave trader, oh which is an insane, wow. <laughs> an insane 
dig that is just so creative. Very specific. And put a hex on Ebert, wishing him colon cancer. Ebert then responded, paraphrasing a statement made by Winston Churchill that, although I am fat, one day I will be thin, but Mr. Gallo will still have been the director of The Brown Bunny. Oh. Gallo and Ebert did later make up, and Ebert ended up giving a thumbs up to a re-edited version of The Brown Bunny. But at that point, the controversy so far overshadowed a movie that had an unsimulated blowjob in it. So you know no one saw it. Do you think the thumb up was just an an effort to move on and maybe not really a genuine thumb up situation? I don't know. I don't know if Ebert would do that. I think he'd stick by his guns if he really hated it. I do think that the re-edited version was a little bit better received by people later. All right. It sort of has like middle-of-the-road rating on IMDb. I've never seen it. Same. I've been trying to track down the yeah. DVD because it just seems like fascinating. It's now. one that you know I've thought about for a long time. <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that's so weird that that movie exists. Like, I haven't seen it start to finish, but I've seen parts of it, yeah, if you what, know what I mean. What, yeah, yeah, right. what year did it come out? 2003, I think. Okay, yeah. It's just like one of those things that you know about existing. It, it has even... a big reputation similar to like kids or right, something. Right, right. Although I have seen kids, but you know what I mean? Like Another everyone just with... sort of knew this movie. Uh, Chloe Savini. <laughs> yeah. We're back. <laughs> the look of Buffalo 66, though. Okay, so <laughs> before we move on, I guess. So, yeah, we are acknowledging that Vincent Gallo is not a great person. I think that. This podcast has always wanted to feature on the art itself. We did do Rosemary's Baby on the right. show before. We've done plenty of movies produced by Harvey Weinstein. Absolutely. Just sort of where you're at with things. I don't know that Gallo's ever really committed a crime per se, but he's said and done some really heinous shit. Yeah. Which we do obviously don't condone. Sure. But a lot of that stuff seemed to really es- escalate after buffalo 66 but i'm not really sure i don't know i'm not like an expert on him or his career same like i said i I had never even seen one of his movies all the way through until this which is it actually only two feature films that he made really i think there is actually another one okay but it's like really stripped down it yeah yeah it's very experimental or something okay but a lot of shorts and stuff like that right so the look of buffalo 66 really is unique and stands out it was shot on reversal stock which is the equivalent of color transparency film. He was emulating the NFL films of the 1960s with high color saturation. Yeah, it looks cool. It's very reminiscent of stuff shot in the it's, 60s. But it's like high color saturation, but also with like a dullness to it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. I do think that this will probably be a slightly shorter episode, That's which okay. is sort of a relief for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cool down up. But we'll see how it goes. It's a wild movie. I think it's funny to do it for Valentine's Day or at least a couple yeah. days after. And there is some stuff. I was telling you before the show, if I didn't know all the bad press out there about Vincent Gallo and these bad... Like, I would probably watch this and be like, man, this is a, a filmmaker I'm interested in. Like, what else did he do? And I, I guess I'd quickly find out that <laughs> the train tracks kind of ran out pretty quickly. But there is some really cool stuff in this movie. And not that he's like on this level, but there's almost Lynchian parts with the Ben Gazzara singing moment and the weird. Uh, in my notes, I described the strip club as a Lynchian strip club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely like a lot of creative energy here. It, it's very unique looking. The story is problematic, but fascinating. The performances are interesting. 
the whole thing holds together is pretty entertaining. I could see a lot of like younger, more modern people not being as into the film. I think it is highly divisive sure. on Letterboxd or Understandably things so. like that. But at the same time, I have seen a lot of young women who are fans of this film. Mm-hmm. That actually seems to be a lot of the people that I see give it five stars and are, are super <laughs> into it. It's really hard to say. I think a lot of people can read different things into it and sort of project their own life or their own thoughts onto it and make of it what they want and things of that nature. Although I think a lot of people, if they were more familiar with some of the things that Gallo puts on t-shirts and sells on his website, they probably would steer clear of this altogether. Take off a couple (laughs) stars, maybe. Okay, so let's get into it. We'll see how it goes. Having just served five years in prison, Billy Brown, played by Gallo, prepares to return home to Buffalo, New York, and no one comes to pick him up. Almost immediately trying to go back to jail, actually. Yeah, there is definitely like an urgent need to pee, and yeah. that's like a plot point here <laughs> for a while. It's a snowy, bleak wintertime look. They actually filmed this in and around Buffalo, mm-hmm. where Gallo is from. Yeah, a visual that I'm very familiar with, although I got to tell you, been there for some much worse snow situations than this. Yeah. It seems like almost either the beginning of winter or yeah. the end. It doesn't seem like the heart of winter, really. I think there, there's a lot of gray periods in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. I could imagine. Yeah, yeah. Right away, there's an interesting visual choice where they do that jigsaw collage of different shots right. of his time in prison and entering prison. Yeah, yeah. It's over that sad, disparate piano score. Gallo did all of the original music for the film as well. Which is also kind of cool. He's denied re-entry into the prison to go to the bathroom, so he waits, he gets on a bus, drives into the city, and he continues his quest for a bathroom. (laughs) The search eventually takes Billy to a dance studio where a ballet class is in session. He just like walks through it. He finds a bathroom, but then can't actually go when he feels a man is staring at his penis, and so we have this intense burst of homophobia when he's just like losing it. Also, it kind of plays strange. I think the whole idea of how much time we spend, because it is like a long, drawn-out sequence of him visibly needing to pee, sort of speaking out about it also, but then you finally get to a bathroom and he can't pee. And I think it's supposed to be funny, but it immediately goes into this homophobic tirade over the dude next to him. Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird moment, too, because the guy responds to him by saying, oh, but it's just so big. And you're like, oh, my God. I know. Writing this into your own movie. <laughs> I'm like, how pathetic. douche. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the bathroom, he encounters a teenaged girl named Layla, played by Christina Ricci. It's a great name. Although, yeah, it's not the right name for him, though, his right. purposes. <laughs> She has bleach blonde hair. She's cherubic, fashioned in this film to be sort of Billy's idealized Lolita, although her age is never really 100% clear. That's right. We see at the beginning of the film that Billy is supposed to have been born in 1966, which would make him about, I guess, probably 31 or something. Um, It's unclear of exactly when this is taking place, but something like that. She seems much younger than that. Gallo himself was actually older. He was born in 61, so he's playing somebody five years younger. Yeah. Which is believable. I I would have bought him as a guy in his 20s in this movie, really. A great head of hair. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, 
I think that Layla encapsulates a lot of different female characters in one. You have her immediate pushback to him. She's like, watch your mouth. That's right. And she's giving him shit about the quarter that he wants to borrow. And she's very like tough and no nonsense in a sense. But then also oddly compliant and willing to go along with it is weird his mania billy is so rough around the edges he doesn't seem like a nice guy in any way in these early scenes she's bratty and tough not intimidated at all but then when he's on the phone because there's a payphone there there is a shot of her in the bathroom and it seems like she's crying okay it seems like there's like a, a single tear uh-huh so it definitely hints that there's something going on in her life of course in this movie we have no idea what that would be we don't know anything about her there's a clue that maybe there's a backstory here not everything is sunshine and roses for layla and she will basically be wearing this outfit that she's wearing at dance class for the rest of the film yeah hopefully she didn't get too sweaty there that doesn't seem like it would be a good (laughs) experience for anyone hello mom it's me it's billy Billy. Billy, your son. Turn down the TV, Ma. Turn down the television. It's Billy. I told you we were going to be in town for one day, right? Well, we're in town. We just flew in. We're at the fancy hotel, Ma. I told you we were staying downtown. Yes. The big hotel, right. Yeah, I have a big room. Yes, it's beautiful here. Yes, it's clean, Ma. It's a a very expensive hotel, okay? No, don't come here, Ma. Don't come here. I told you I want to go there. I want to see the old neighborhood. I want to come now. What time is the game over, Ma? Fine, I'll come at 5 o'clock. No, Ma, she's not coming. She's sick. I don't know, Ma. People get sick. I don't know why she's sick. She's sick. We fly, every time we fly in planes, she gets sick. I don't know why. She doesn't like flying. Plus, we sit in first class, they bring you a lot of food, and she always gets stomach cramps. I don't know. I can't, she's sleeping, Ma. She's sleeping. I'm in the lobby of the hotel because she's sleeping upstairs. I'm not going to wake her up. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? What did I say? What did I say? She's sick. Fine, Ma. You want me to wake her up? You want me to go upstairs and wake her up? You know, you're unbelievable. Yeah, then how are you going to feel when she comes over sick? You know? How are you going to feel then when you see how sick she is? No, I'm going to bring her. I'm going to bring her. I'm going to drag her out of bed and I'm going to bring her to you. All right? So you can see her. Fine. We're coming over. We're coming over. I said I'm bringing her. Yes. Fine. Okay? Goodbye. Billy calls his mother from a payphone to tell her that he's in town. And you can glean a lot from this conversation, of which we mostly only hear his side of it, I guess. But Yeah, you only hear his side, but there's a lot of him sort of doing the thing where he's explaining what she's saying. Right. Just, you know, for the purposes of a movie. But his parents it it almost seems like there's something like 
it goes into this thing where he's basically doing the whole thing where in movies, you know, they explain to kids when the dad leaves that, you know, he was like a secret agent or whatever. <laughs> it right. kind of seems like that type of scenario with his parents. Well, yeah, his parents don't know he was in prison somehow. He's selling them some kind of fictional high-class life with a woman. And there's definitely hints of a crazed, toxic relationship with his parents. But we don't know all the details. I think one of the fascinating things about the film is his desire to keep his parents in his life. Yeah. Even though they don't even seem to want him in in their lives. And he doesn't seem to like them. Yeah. They don't seem to like him. But he's always setting up the situation where he has to stay a part of their lives, even though they don't even seem interested or care at all. I know. And they're not blown away. I mean, it's been five years, you know, they're not overcome with like, oh, my gosh, yeah. like this guy who has been missing from our life has been devoid of a presence for five years. They're kind of just like kooky. Yeah. When he gets off the phone, Layla comes out of the bathroom and seemingly spur of the moment. Billy grabs her, literally dragging her out of the building. He's kidnapping her. And it turns into the longest and most ridiculous kidnapping of all time, where <laughs> he's making her take her car. At first it's physical, but then it kind of becomes non-physical. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that there could be potentially things in this film that are upsetting. I- it never really crosses any super horrific lines. There's no like rape or sexual assault or anything like that in the film, or- but... This sequence is strange, and it clearly is being played for comedy because it keeps spiraling where he can't drive her car because it's a stick shift, so then they have to switch sides. Then he's pissed about the windows being dirty, (laughs) so he wants to wipe off the windows so that you can see through the windshield. It's a whole thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's any sexual assault from Billy. Billy's dad, on the other hand. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, where's the thing on this car? How do you put it in gear? Where's right the thing? Here. What is this? Is this is this a shifter car? I cannot drive a shifter car, right? So we got a little situation here. I can't drive these kind of cars. What the fuck is going on? You think that's funny? Would you like to know, smartass? Would you like to know why I can't drive this kind of car? I'll tell you why. I'm used to luxury cars. Have you ever heard of a luxury car? You know what luxury means? Have you ever heard of Cadillac? Cadillac Eldorado? That's what I drive. I drive cars that shift themselves. My cars shift themselves. The luxury cars, they shift themselves. I think it's during the kidnapping sequence and how bizarre he's behaving and his little idiosyncrasies, you know, just like his little weird things about the windshield and can't drive a stick and makes her her drive herself. And I think these are probably the moments where she's realizing that he's not actually dangerous and she's just getting this vibe that he's trying to figure this out as he's going and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason she ends up going along with it and just being a part of it yeah pretty much from the beginning her opportunities to escape are definitely there yeah because finally as they're driving along he makes her pull off on the side of the road and he gets out and pees and turns his back to the car and she's driving and he doesn't take the keys yeah yeah and so she could leave but doesn't she seems almost like someone who was waiting for something to happen in mm-hmm. her life, and now it's happening and she's entertained by it in some way, which is always going to be tricky sure. to put into a movie. But then again, I think anytime you're touching on the subject of Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. I you're think, risking uh, losing your audience. Well, yeah, I think Gallo is just like, look, this might be over the line, deal with it. 
Well, yeah, that's his whole life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he summarizes for Layla his plan. His plan is to take her to his parents' house, pretend that they are married, and that the reason for his absence over these past five years is that he works for the government and he's been away for a long time and he wants to convey this image of mm-hmm. upward mobility. For some reason. It does seem odd that this is his move, just fresh out of prison. I guess he just has nowhere to go. He does seem potentially interested in the idea of sticking it to his parents. Yeah. He wants them to think that he's successful. Although they don't really seem to care one way or another. That's right. Which is probably what drives him to do this. Because the idea that they don't care at all is so devastating. He does have some money, which is kind of interesting. Like, where, where would that come from? Well, I think they give you money when you leave prison. They get started, yeah. So he's going to take Layla to pretend to be his wife, and he gives her the name Wendy Balsam. Uh-huh, which we'll find out there's a reason for. As they're driving up to his parents' house, and he's sort of freaking out and like melting down, I mean, the whole thing outside it's of- It's constant meltdowns. Outside of the actual kidnapping element, it's all like very reminiscent of me introducing my girlfriends to my parents over the years. <laughs> Just like, you better make me look good. <laughs> Constantly like repeating himself, too. It's not just like letting one line sit there. There's a lot of like repeating of the same lines. I don't know, to really hammer it home, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's just manic. Yeah, yeah. He's freaking out about this whole thing. And yeah, I don't know exactly what's wrong with Billy, but it's clear that there's some mental illness involved. I'd say so. A lot of trauma with his parents and we see a little I, bit of it in some of the flashbacks whatever happened with his dad and that dog oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i would never recover the house where billy's parents live in the film is the very same house where vincent gallo lived with his parents growing up yeah you think there's a little bit of autobiographical nature oh, yeah. to this movie when he premiered this film in Buffalo, and there were people attending that knew him and his family, there was like a lot of laughing because it was so reminiscent okay. of his parents. And gotcha. Stuff. When you actually watch the film, <laughs> it's <laughs> insanely disturbing. Oh, yeah. That people were like, oh, yeah, I recognize this. <laughs> <laughs> the title of the film, of course, refers to the Buffalo Bills of the NFL, who last won a championship in 1965 in the American Football League. The AFL championship game was December 28th, 1965, just a few days before 1966, which in this film is the year Billy was born. Although they do change around the facts a little bit for the movie where they make it that they won the championship in 66 and that his mom missed that game. Oh, yeah. Because he was being born, right? Because he was being born. I think they shuffled some stuff around to get around some of the the trademarking issues. Oh, right. They, yeah. they really didn't get any approval for some of this stuff. Yeah, because it's never Buffalo Bills any time in the movie. It's either Buffalo or the Bills. Right, exactly. Before they even enter the house, you can hear Billy's mother screaming about the game. Oh, yeah. This is a very familiar-looking house to me. Um, <laughs> as a Growing up in upstate New York, spending a lot of time at friend's house with just a lot of Bills memorabilia like framed prominently in the living room yeah jim kelly (laughs) rookie card framed up on the wall (laughs) yeah it is an odd coincidence that we ultimately are recording this episode on christina ricci's birthday oh yeah so happy birthday to her i'm sure she's listening right (laughs) sure we are releasing this as our 
Valentine's Day episode, not on Valentine's Day, but sort of like Blue Valentine, like an alternative Valentine's type movie. I think so. But also just after this year's Super Bowl. Right. All coming together with this movie. It's the perfect time to do this movie. And trust me, there was not that much thought put into it other than it's been on the list for a long time. I remember having this on a list from years ago. Christina Ricci actually tweeted the show and requested that we do this for her birthday. (laughs) Before they go in, they can hear... Billy's mother, Billy having another near meltdown. Layla, not sure what to do. She's having fun getting into character, though. It is a black comedy. And For sure. You have to sort of just accept that there's going to be fucked up things. Like, yeah. obviously, kidnapping a woman is bad. I don't think that we need to go through why it's bad. We know that. I was feeling like with these parents, a little bit of a like natural-born killers vibe. You know how the characters are in that movie are kind of... <laughs> yeah, just so over the top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is stuff reminiscent of other films in this, for sure. And right. Yeah, the, the parents are so absurd in this movie that <laughs> it comes off as like yeah. cartoonish at times. I do give Vincent Gallo credit, though, because, I mean, what a great selection for on-screen parents, Ben Gazzara and Angelica Houston. They finally go inside and actually meet Billy's parents. You have Jan Houston and Jimmy Gazzara. I've known a lot of Jans in the upstate New York region, for sure. It does not take long for Layla to see that the relationship in the family is dysfunctional. Jimmy opens the door and then just walks away without even greeting his son, who he hasn't <laughs> seen in years. <laughs> calling Jan, your son is here. <laughs> Gallo was unable to use real NFL logos or refer to the team as the Buffalo Bills, as he pointed out, as NFL Properties was uncooperative. Obviously, no official logos either. The NFL not really endorsing (laughs) a Lolita-type character. I did think it was interesting to point out that of the $1.5 million budget, $20,000 was spent on Angelica Houston's wig alone. Wow. Holy (laughs) shit. You gotta spend a lot on wigs if you want them to look good. Yeah, really. So we're so happy to meet you, honey. Billy's told us so much about you. Oh, well, I've heard so much about both of you. He's very proud of you, too. Do you think I can use your bathroom? Sure, honey. Billy, go show her where the bathroom is. It's down the hall. Don't take a long time. I have to go to the bathroom. You sure you? Oh, honey. You look tired. Are you sick? No, I'm not sick, Mom. Why? You just... You just look so tired. Well, Ma, I am a little tired. I just flew on a plane, okay? All right, honey, don't get upset. I'm not upset. All right. You want something to drink? Yeah. All right, well, what do you want to drink, honey? I'd like a glass of water, please. Honey, you don't want some pop? You know I don't drink pop, Ma. The bubbles bother my stomach. Would you like some ginger ale, honey? I I got some ginger ale. That's good for the stomach. Ginger ale is pop, Ma. Ginger ale is pop. I just said I don't want pop. Can I please have a glass of water? Oh, how about I make you the juice? I got the frozen juice. I just want a glass of water, please. Okay? Just a glass of water. That's all I want. All right. Okay? All right. Thank you. 
I got those chocolate donuts you like. You want one now? You think it'll spoil your appetite? It won't spoil my appetite, Ma. I don't eat chocolate. I'm allergic to it. Remember? Honey, what are you talking about? You don't eat chocolate. You always eat chocolate. That's great, Ma. That's great. You don't remember your own son. That's really great. Ma, I'm allergic to my chocolate. face is kind of itchy. My face blows up. All right? You don't remember your own son? Ooh, honey, what happened to your face? It's all swollen. You better put some ice on that. I ate chocolate when I was a kid. You had to take me to the emergency room because my face swelled up. Honey, I don't know what you're talking about. She always ate chocolate. I didn't always eat chocolate, Ma. I did not always eat chocolate. Okay? I didn't eat chocolate. Can we talk about something else? All right, just calm down. Fine. Hi. Hi, honey. Why don't you get her something to drink, Mom? Oh, all right. You want something to drink, honey? What? Yeah, could you make me a rum and coke? What, honey? I meant, uh, can I have a ginger ale? Oh, sure, we got a ginger ale. Hold on. Uh, come here, honey. Let me hug my new little daughter. Daddy loves you, you know that? Daddy really loves you. His <laughs> new little sweet young daughter. <laughs> Sit down, honey. I'm 28. Aw, <laughs> oh, honey, you look like a baby. You look so young and pretty. Thank you. My son used to be a beautiful baby. Oh, you should have seen him. He was so beautiful. I think Billy is the most handsome guy in the whole world. Who, honey? Billy. I think he's the most handsome man I've ever seen. Billy who? This Billy. Mm. Oh. Ah, I can't stand it when he grows his hair long. A lot of different things happen as they're preparing to eat dinner with Billy's parents. A lot of indicators of the past trauma. Yeah. A Bills game, notably on TV, which not live. She's watching the Super Bowl loss. Yeah, right? that's what it yeah. turns out to be. The game. The game that set everything in motion in this movie. And this was r- ringing true. I, I got to tell you, for some of my friends that are Bills fans out there, them just drinking and putting on a Bills Super Bowl loss, <laughs> <laughs> not an uncommon practice. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. How Red Sox fans would watch the, the Buckner yeah. game and stuff. Although I don't really want to go down the uh, Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore fever pitch movie. No, but no. Yeah, I did think that was somewhat true to life. It's rough. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, Jan forgets Billy's chocolate allergy and almost refusing to believe that that's true, <laughs> even though we like, learned that it is true in a flashback. Almost daring her son for it to be true. Jimmy acts inappropriately towards Layla several times. We get some painful memory flashbacks, as you alluded to. There was the incident with Billy's dog as a kid, with his father, I guess, killing the dog. That's what's implied. How much of a lunatic is this guy? And the aforementioned chocolate allergy. This is a little bit of an Adams Family reunion here for Houston and Ricci. That's true. 
I didn't pick up on that. Only a few years later from the sequel, which I think came out in, I want to say, 93 or 4. Okay. Turns out that Jimmy sings, and the song that Billy's father sings to Layla, Fools Rush In Where Angels Fear to Tread, was actually a cover sung by Vincent Gallo's father, Vincent Gallo Sr. This is probably like the first major leap to the surreal. Yeah, because they're in that bedroom, and the backgrounds behind both characters are like that red, that dark red, and there's almost like a glowing light, almost like a halo or something in in the mix. Ben Gazzara like putting his finger like on his throat to start singing and it just sounds like nothing like what you would think Ben Gazzara would sound yeah, like singing. Yeah, the voice is absurd. Yeah, it's yeah. very clearly being lip synced, which almost adds to the bizarre quality of right. it. And Layla, it's really hard to even describe Layla during all of this because by this point in the film, enough weird stuff has been going on and she never really reacted that strongly to being kidnapped. Right. So now that you're just kind of forgetting that, okay, she's being forced to do this. And she just goes with it so hard that you're like, this is so crazy. I know. She really is a good sport about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good sport. Almost shockingly so. And at some point, it seems like she really gets into it because she wants Ben Gazzara to like sing her another song. Yeah. She's really going above and beyond to try to win over... Billy's parents, I guess she took one look at the situation and was like, man, this place is fucked up. I almost feel bad for this asshole who kidnapped me. (laughs) Well, maybe it all came together pretty quickly for as to why this dude is so weird. (laughs) Yeah. His dad is saying things like, daddy loves you. You know that? I love you. To her. (laughs) (laughs) Who they met seconds ago. And it turns into the most insane meal of all time. Layla has already told... Billy, that she's a vegetarian, which he ignored, and they're eating cow intestines, tripe. (laughs) And he's insisting that his mother bring out more because he's saying that Layla's going to eat so much of it that he knows she's going to want more. Yeah, this is, I would say, like, pretty similar to most first time meeting my parents' girlfriends (laughs) moments. Your dad's like, turn that knife away from me. (laughs) You're pointing that knife at me. Is that why you came here to kill me? (laughs) Except at that point, it was like, well, I do live here. Turn that knife away from me, please. Are you pointing a knife at me? Is that why you came here to stab me with that knife? Huh? Will you turn it away from me, please? Honey, honey, just... Turn it away, please! What? What? The knife is not pointed at you! Yes, it pointed at me! Honey! Don't tell me you didn't point the knife at me! I did not point the knife at you. Don't point a knife at a person unless you want to use it! I didn't point the knife at you! It was here! God forbid I should have a piece of meat, right? Right, Dad? So, uh, Wendy, honey, you were saying? I was just, um, I was just gonna say how, you know, Billy's the, the nicest husband in the whole world. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure he's terrific. And out of all of this, out of all these weird outbursts from his dad and his mom acting completely distracted by a Super Bowl that happened years earlier and 
completely invested in the Bills. The most crazy part of it is how hard Layla is trying in this surreal situation. And she launches into this story of how they met where Billy works for the CIA and she's a secretary. But and all like, the girls were in love with him. These two parents are like delusional too. Like there is, you could say any. There is no breaking through with these two. They're like yeah. caught up in their own worlds of like whatever. I mean, at least with Jan, we know it's the Bills. I guess with the dad, it's this former <laughs> singing career at Buffalo nightclubs. <laughs> at nightclub act in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> which has to be about as grim as it sounds. <laughs> Billy's mother has never missed a Buffalo Bills game except in 1966 on the day Billy was born. Of course, you can read into it that Billy's name comes from Bills. Sure. In the movie, the Bills win a championship in 66, the day she has Billy. And during this dinner sequence, we get a flashback that explains what's going on a little bit in Billy's life. The story goes like this. One day, this big asshole comes in. He calls up a bet, $10,000 bet on Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. That's the win, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. The story's hard to believe, right? I mean, what kind of an idiot would bet, uh, <sighs> would bet on Buffalo to win a big game like that? It's true. I swear to God, it happened. I mean, this guy was so out of touch, he didn't even have the 10 large to cover his bet. I tell somebody to turn up the heat. So, Billy, what happened was this book, he got so sick of hearing everybody's excuses. I mean, they're all the same, you know. Everybody's got an excuse. Anyway, this book, he got so sick that he just had to throw up. And the only way he could make himself feel better was to, to do bad things. To do very, very bad things to the excuse maker. And very, very bad things to the excuse maker's mother and father. So what do you say? Why don't we, uh, why don't we give this story a happy ending? I got a, I got an acquaintance, a friend, a very good friend of ours. And he just got arrested. Of course, he's innocent. Uh, his arrest is a, it's a goddamn injustice, tragedy. So, you, the asshole, will confess the crime of which he is accused so as to free the innocent man. Now, if you fail to convince the court, or if you refuse to try to, then very evil and very bad things are going to happen. Very evil and very bad things. Oh, and Billy, if Buffalo ever makes it back to the Super Bowl, <laughs> bet against them. Now get the fuck out of my sight. It is revealed that Billy once placed a reckless $10,000 bet on the Bills to win the Super Bowl, $10,000 that he did not have. When they lost, the bookie, played by Mickey Rourke, yeah. forced Billy to clear his debt by confessing to a crime he didn't commit resulting in time served in prison. Now Billy seeks revenge on Scott Wood, the kicker who missed the kick that would have won the Super Bowl for Buffalo. Of course, the real guy is what, Scott Norwood? Yeah, this yeah. is a reference to Buffalo Bills kicker Scott Norwood, who missed the potential game-winning field goal in Super Bowl 25. I remember watching that game. Not me. 
Yeah, you probably would have been a little too young. Yeah, it's I, one of the first Super Bowls I can remember. I think I can actually remember the year before as well. Well, even the first Patriots Super Bowl from my lifetime that, well, at least I can remember against the Packers. Like I can remember having to go to bed at halftime. That was <laughs> what ninety seven. I was I think ten. Go to bed at halftime. <laughs> the game started at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the first one I can remember watching, I think, was Denver and San Francisco, maybe? The Chargers played in one in the 90s, right? That was like 95, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, I can I'm re- talking about like 1990, I think, was yeah, no, not for San me. Francisco, Denver, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say 95 was like the first one I even remember. Like the day of, my dad explained to me the teams, but he was talking about how, I think it was the Chargers, was the underdogs. And that was the first time I ever heard that term, and I was like, how do they have two team names? <laughs> How are they the Chargers and the underdogs? <laughs> they actually beat the Steelers, I think, in the AFC Championship Did they? Game. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, Mickey Rourke was going through tough times with <laughs> both career and finances. According to and an interview, looks really. Rourke stated that Gallo offered him a small part in the movie and paid him with a paper bag containing $100,000. Wow. It is a cool scene, though, and it's cool that he's in it. Scott Norwood was invited to participate in the film, but declined, which I can't really imagine why. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the plot. I'm sure he would have been thrilled to reignite all of this shit and then also have the plot of the movie that a deranged fan wants to kill him that's right but also (laughs) what his post nfl playing career has become is opening a strip club in buffalo (laughs) yeah well i'm sure that if norwood would have been somewhat open to it they could have a different future for him around more of a family man which is why they changed the name of the kicker to scott wood in prison in the flashback billy is told scott wood missed the field goal on purpose potentially for a payout which also probably would have sure not gone over well with the real life kicker it was a traumatic time <laughs> yeah for, for all of us really while at his parents house billy calls his old friend goon played by kevin corrigan goon wants to be known as rocky now <laughs> This is where we learn about the plan because Goon informs Billy that Scott Wood has a strip club in town now and Billy's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> You're like, okay. So this movie's taking like a dark turn. Yeah. Because to this point, we weren't really sure where this was all going. Well, you know, he needed some direction after that prison sentence. Meanwhile, at the dining room table, Layla is telling Billy's parents that she's pregnant. <laughs> pandemonium she is really taking the ball and running with it with this stupid (laughs) scheme that he's come up with i know ben gazera apparently ad-libbed the part where he shoves his face between christina ricci's breasts at the dinner table which is such a wild move you know he's a method actor i'm pretty sure she was 17 when they were filming this and her mother was supposed to be on set although i've heard that gallo would just force her mother to leave (laughs) it was like yelling at christina ricci yeah it's a a really traumatic time for everyone i think think so yeah although she seems to have come through it and gotten past it and it isn't really like an ongoing thing or anything but not sure if ben gazara did well he's dead now yeah yeah (laughs) or were you suggesting that he died because of this movie (laughs) (laughs) when they do finally leave jan and jimmy's house billy scolds layla for telling the obvious lie about the cia to his father who he knows would never believe that (laughs) 
Okay. And she's just like, okay, well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> His idea before they even went into the house was to say that they met in high school. And I was like, what the fuck? There's like a 20-year age difference. Yeah. Well, I'm sure his dad was believing that he's like been some high roller for the last five years. No yeah. evidence of this. They show up at the house like in the shittiest car. It's like, yeah. okay. Despite her annoyance at his displeasure of her deception work, Layla doesn't seem to be in any rush to free herself of Billy. She has plenty of opportunities to just end this and leave and call it a night. He doesn't even really seem to force her to stick around anymore. At this point, she's interested. She wants to see where this is all heading. Yeah. Maybe not the best message to put out there for potential creeps and weirdos watching this movie, but... No. Well, guess what? I don't think it actually works out this way for the creeps and weirdos. No, but it's setting up potentially bad situations to happen in real life. (laughs) Well, then let's put a disclaimer out to creeps and weirdos. Do not do this. (laughs) So, in other words, our whole listening audience... But we just set the record straight for him. Billy decides to take her bowling. When he steps into this bowling alley, he's referred to as the king. Oh, the yeah. The king is returned. Does this seem like a fantasy? A little bit, yeah. yeah. He has his own ball and locker. The place seems to be run by a guy named Sonny, played by Jan Michael Vincent. This was definitely like the type of place that I was used to hanging out in in 2000. Five, it seems great. I yeah. definitely would hang out at this place Absolutely. right now, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I basically am Rick Dukeman from Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. And you're the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Inside his locker at the bowling alley, there is a picture of Rosanna Arquette, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of the audience would have recognized, so that immediately is a tell that this is something that's yeah. going to factor into the movie. He refers to this woman as his old girlfriend when Layla asks. Right. It's like when I ask about a lot of the pictures hanging up in the walls in your apartment. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, who is this? And it's a picture of Nancy Allen (laughs) from Dressed to Kill. And I'm like, yeah, that's my old girlfriend. (laughs) Billy shows off his bowling expertise for a while, and then Layla gives a surreal tap dance performance to King Crimson's Moonchild. Oh, yeah. Where the lights of the bowling alley dim behind her and there's like a spotlight on her. So clearly this isn't real, No, per it's se. like a cool artsy sequence, though. So Scott Wood owns a strip club in town. Billy calls to get the address. The name of the strip club is Scott Wood's Solid Gold, <laughs> which is bizarre. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of joint. I love when you call it. There's a voice recording of Scott Wood talking, and he's like, sorry to all you Buffalonians for missing that field goal, <laughs> but I can Just make it up to you it. topless dancers. <laughs> I would be like, you know what? This guy sounds like he's on the path to redemption. I don't really know what Scott Norwood did with his life, but I can't imagine he stuck around in Buffalo. No, probably not. <laughs> I think you'd want to leave to where no one knew who you were. Yeah, yeah. Billy gets Layla to you. <laughs> this is. This part was making me laugh so much because Billy comes off so insane. The way he's talking. The the photo booth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Billy gets Layla to use a photo booth with him to take photos to send his parents once a year, which makes no sense because they're wearing the same clothes, and he does not change his expression at all. (laughs) Even though she's changing for every single shot. And he keeps saying, (laughs) don't touch me. No, he keeps saying span time. Oh, yeah. Spanning time. He says <laughs> span is, time like six dozen times. <laughs> span time. We're spanning time. Don't touch time. me. Don't be cute. Don't kiss me. 
span time. <laughs> but Layla annoys Billy when she makes faces during the photos in contrast to Billy's emotionless straight face. Spanning time. <laughs> We're spanning time. I don't think he knows what spanning time means. You wouldn't be wearing the same clothes, and the pictures wouldn't be identical. It well, doesn't even make sense. I'm kind of thinking that he just always wears this outfit, the blue on blue with the red boots. I know, but I know the pictures no, are identical. Yeah. <laughs> okay, be ready. This is gonna come soon. You ready? Mm-hmm. Come on. What is that? What? What are you doing? You just made me waste two dollars. Get up. Come on. I was making it fun. You're, you're missing the point. Two dollars. You just wasted two dollars. All right, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Sit down. We're taking pictures for my parents. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. We're taking pictures like we're a couple. Like we like each other. Like we're we're husband and wife and we span time together we span time together as a couple because we're a loving couple spanning time these photos are us in love spanning time no bullshit faces no funny faces just look like you like me that's all i want just look like you like me that's it can you do that you're so weird fine all right let's go yeah are you gonna do it or you're not gonna do it I'll do my best. I don't want to waste more money. Just do it right, all right? We're in love. We're spanning time. Look like you like me. Look like we're husband and wife. Okay? I do like you, Billy. Okay, you know what I mean. I mean like you like me like you're my wife, like you're in love, that kind of like. Like we're in love, spanning time, okay? And just do it right, all right? All right, I'll do my best. Don't do your best. Do it right, okay? And don't get smart. I don't want to waste $2. Just do it right. All right. All right. Look like you love me. Let's span time, okay? Let's span time together. What are you doing? What are you doing? What? Don't touch me. All right, don't touch me. What do you me. mean, don't touch don't me? You're touch supposed to be me. husband and wife. I'm just trying to make We're the couple good. that doesn't touch one another. We like each other. We like each other a lot, and we span time together. We just don't touch each other, all right? Now let's span time. Let's use a different color in the back. Do blue, all right? This is the blue period where we... Get up, get up. Don't touch me again, all right? Just look like you like me, and let's span time, all right? You got that? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, I don't want to waste any more money. This is my last $2 okay. I'm putting in. Yes or no? Yes. All right, you do it for me. If you don't want to do it, don't no, do it. No, no, I'll do it. Okay, let's look like we like each other and span time and do not touch me. Okay? Do not touch me. Okay. Do not kiss me. Oh, wait, come on. All right, good. Let's see how they are. Come on. Oh, God. It's so weird. 
But she's just being super cute and flirty, and she's now, like, fully having fun with whatever is happening between them, and he is still just so weird. I know. <laughs> you can kind of understand, like, the interest to some degree, because the whole thing is, like, so weird, and this guy is so bizarre, but he does border on psychotic. So oh, yeah. Like, I mean, in real life, you would be terrified oh, of this yeah, yeah. person. Right. Like, what are they doing? He's constantly yelling at her. The threat of violence is always there. That's right. Even if he doesn't actually act violent because he forced her to do this. But in the unique world of cinema, you can buy a Stockholm Syndrome love story differently. Sure. It doesn't seem as bad, even if it should. Right. After briefly throwing out the idea of getting a motel room where they can lay down together. <laughs> the missions that they're on at any given time, getting hot chocolate, needing to take a bath. An very idea mundane. that Layla is completely on board with. So he throws that out there and she's like, yeah, I want to do that. Let's do that. Then he's like, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so he changes his mind and they go to Denny's. Oh, yeah. At this point, he has already called the strip club and actually talked to someone and found out that Scott Wood won't arrive until 2 in the morning. Now, I will say this before we go any further. The Buffalo area, the surrounding Uh area, has a much more active ultra-late-night life than I would have ever thought. Well, bars open until 4 a.m. in Buffalo, New York. Sort of a unique... It's just so crazy how many people are out and yeah. like old people. It's not New York statewide. It's specific to New York City and Buffalo are the only two places where bars are open till 4 a.m. That's it's, wild. It is wild. And one year I was at, which is hard to believe because now if I stay up till 11 a.m., it's like, holy 11 shit. 11 a.m. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 11 p.m. If I could stay up till 11 p.m., that's like a shocking accomplishment for me yeah. at this point. But not that many years ago, I was in Buffalo on a daylight savings weekend and we were out until 4 a.m but then they set the clock back or whatever so they stayed up until 5 a.m that night and people were still out it's crazy yeah yeah well that explains it because i was shocked at like how many people were just out all night in this place yeah a lot of drinking what can you expect yeah i mean that's the thing it's chicken wings and beer and bowling in the that's right yeah fried cheese not a lot of fit people (laughs) So Scott Wood won't be arriving until around 2. So they got some hours to kill. At Denny's, right after they are seated, in walks the real, actual Wendy Balsam, played by Rosanna Arquette, a girl Billy had a crush on in middle school, who is in a relationship with another man. Sure. Fucking Don. Although he does seem like a loser. And of course, the audience immediately knows that Whatever he said about his old girlfriend and this picture in his locker is probably not true, and it's all crashing down right in front of him. Imagine having a picture of your middle school crush or high school crush in your bowling locker. I don't need to imagine it. (laughs) (laughs) I still have a picture of Drew Barrymore from The Wedding Singer in my bowling locker. (laughs) (laughs) But when she introduces herself as Wendy Balsam, because she recognizes... Billy and starts pestering him with oh, these yeah. questions like, didn't you go to jail and all this shit? Uh, she knows that, but his parents don't. Layla says, I'm Wendy Balsam too. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> yeah, embarrassing. Oh my God. He wants to leave well, immediately. Of, like, oh yeah, you're the guy that used to come and hang out outside my house all the time and just like walk by it. He's like, I had a friend who lived on your block and yeah. she's just like, oh, okay. Because every time I looked out my window, you were standing there. <laughs> 
Oh, God, it's so embarrassing. Sure. And then Don is inviting him over to sit with them, and he's like, no, we're leaving. Right, and then the waitress comes over and is like, your hot chocolate's going to be a minute. And he's like, well, we're leaving, so don't worry about it. Layla's not getting that hot chocolate no. that she wants so bad. And he has a little bit of his first meltdown, and he they have their first, first. fight. Yeah. And, well, I mean, first meltdown with her. Right, like right. The first yeah. fight with her. I, and his life is kind of just a perpetual meltdown. <laughs> yeah. He launches into the girl's stink speech. <laughs> yeah, a highlight of the movie, really. Which I know really hit home with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people that listen to this podcast are like, this kind of sounds like what the podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and Vincent Gallo, two peas in a pod, very similar. <laughs> yeah. No, that girl has the same name as me. And she looks an awful lot like that photograph in your locker. The hot chocolate's going to be a couple minutes, We're going. Thank you. Thank you anyway, though. What do you mean? Sure. You want to stay, you stay. I'm going. Look at that girl. Look at her. She's so creepy. She's so creepy. And you are so nice. Who's that supposed to mean? I just think... I mean, you're much too good for her. And... Don't give me no fucking bullshit, right? Don't give me no bullshit. I don't need your pity. She's too good for me, crap. So what, you're gonna, we're gonna leave because you ran into someone that you had a crush on in middle school? I'm gonna kill Scott Woods. I'm just gonna kill him. What are you saying? I'm just gonna kill him. Billy, what are you saying? I'm going. Okay, let me tell you something. I don't care about you or your fucking hot chocolate. I don't need anybody. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said this time? Want to know the truth? I could have had any girl I wanted in school. Any girl I wanted. You know why I didn't have a girlfriend? Huh? Because there was nobody that I liked. Nobody that I liked. That's the truth. I could have had anybody. There was nobody that I liked because girls stink. They stink. They're evil. And they're all bad. All of them. They're backstabbers. Like you. So let's go, all right? I'm not going. You want to stay? Yes. You stay, all right? Fuck you. Fuck you, too. Yeah, fuck you. So they get into a little bit of a fight, and he's like, fuck you, and he leaves. Loud enough so that the real Wendy and Don notice and see and it it just becomes this huge embarrassing thing because look you could argue that maybe christina ricci looks old enough to be like a viable girlfriend option but there is sort of the added humiliation that she seems so young and he's yelling fuck you at her and then she's like basically crying at the booth oh yeah it just goes from bad to worse the visual of this scene i wish i could say that i never made a girlfriend cry at denny's but um (laughs) Oh, yeah, pretty much everything that Billy does in this movie I've experienced, (laughs) (laughs) including getting horrible motel rooms. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Pretty much every part of this movie is my real life, except for the Buffalo parts of it. Getting a hotel room, taking the comforter off of it. (laughs) This is dirty. I'm taking this off. (laughs) Taking baths in motel rooms (laughs) with my underwear on. (laughs) Billy leaves Layla alone in Denny's. After a brief blow up, but then after a meltdown of his own by himself in the bathroom, 
He regrets his behavior, returns, and apologizes. Yeah. Still waiting for 2 a.m. to roll around. They actually do check into a motel. And this is when things get a little bit real between the two. I do think that this movie ends up being a lot more artsy than it starts out as. It's very straightforward at the beginning. And then they add in a lot of these extended sequences with not a lot of talking and not a lot of things happening. And the movie ends up running to be about an hour and 50 minutes. And it could very easily be 90 minutes. Oh, I agree. Because almost nothing happens at a certain point, and yet it just keeps going. Well, I would just end it after the first ending. What's that? I would just end it after the first ending. (laughs) It's time for some real talk. So after a little bit of prodding, Billy reveals the truth about Wendy and how he's never had any girlfriends. Yeah, guess what, Billy? We we got that. (laughs) Yeah, the way that he acts doesn't seem like he's ever really talked to girls very much. It's not that he's like a bad-looking guy or anything. He's got a great head of hair, like I said, but he just is so weird and... Really almost like ill-tempered, yelling a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like a tough guy to be around. Although I do get it. You get your heart set on one girl and it doesn't work out and you're not willing to accept any substitutes. I get it. It takes a long time to get over it. I get that for me, too. A lot of one girls. (laughs) He really had his heart set on Wendy and when things weren't working out, what was the point? Yeah. He really wants to take a bath. One thing that it seemed like I was learning from this movie was that motels in Buffalo don't turn their heat on. A lot of talk of how cold they are in the motel room. A lot of cost cutting going on in Buffalo. (laughs) You know. So he wants to get into this bathtub, but Layla doesn't want to wait in the room by herself. So she keeps asking to come in and he doesn't want her to come in. And then he lets her come in if she doesn't look. (laughs) And then she finally looks, but he's wearing underwear in the tub anyway. And then he gets mad at her for looking. And then they cut to just both of them in the tub at the same time. (laughs) Like he just couldn't fight it off. Yeah. But there really isn't even that much talking, though. Because then after the bath, they get into a little bit more of a conversation. And finally, laying on the bed, they give in a little bit. And they kiss very briefly. Mm -hmm. And then fall asleep. With the lights on, it seems like. And at this point, you're like, what the fuck is this movie? (laughs) You know what I mean? And what the fuck was her life? She gets abducted out of a dance class and just has nothing to go to? Not trying to... anything going to happen Nobody's at... Well, we don't know if anybody's out looking for her, but she's not trying to contact anybody. No, just sort of rolling with it. This is my life now. A little after two, Billy wakes up and is about to leave to exact his revenge on Scott Wood. When Layla wakes up, Two. By the way, sort of a crazy move to put $5,000 down on the Bills winning the Super 10, Bowl. 10000 Oh, 10000 Yeah. Not one I'd recommend. Well, that was their first rodeo. They don't really yeah. get into the four straight Super Bowl losses in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess he was in prison during the next three. Wasn't that the first one? I can't remember which one it was. I think that was the first one. I okay. Think was, I think it was Giants. Yeah, it was Giants. Redskins. Cowboys, Cowboys. Okay. I yeah, think that, is the order. that seems right. Despite Layla's doubts that he'll return and her proclamation of love for him, now she's saying she loves him. He leaves, lying to her that he'll return in a few minutes with hot chocolate for her. He's on a mission, a mission for revenge. Billy calls Goon outside of the strip club to make amends, and filled with emotion, he gives Goon the combination to his locker at the bowling alley, And tells him he can have everything that's in it. Which is a picture of my crush from high school. That's it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know if I would trust Goon with that picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's all of his earthly possessions. That's everything he has. He's coming out of prison. It doesn't seem like he has anything else. So he doesn't have a car or a house or anything. Just a wash for Goon. I don't know that he's actually acquiring any assets through this. Well, the bowling balls seem nice. Sure, that's true. I, I'm sure Goon bowls as well. What else yeah. are they doing around here? <laughs> seemed like Goon had a lot of animals in cages in his room. Well, Goon's having a rough life. That's like the whole reason why he's trying to try out this new personality, Rocky. I'm Rocky now. Yeah, right. Yeah. As I mentioned before, the strip club itself, the interior has a, a very Lynchian quality to it. Very weird and surreal. Not like anything you would ever experience in a real place. Not the sexiest strip club, but then again, most of them aren't really. <laughs> I was digging it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so there's a lot of like topless dancers, yes. and there's one like right by the door. And if you pay attention to the people around the table, it's like two very old men and one very old woman. I'm talking like white hair senior yeah, yeah. citizens, and it's just sure. very bizarre. I know a lot of old women that like to go to strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> it's also after two in the morning. Right. I think the girl that he actually asks where Scott Wood is is missing like one of her front teeth. Mm, or something yeah. there's just a lot of like weird touches that it, rings it's very true odd looking sure at the club billy walks over to wood's table and shoots him in the head before turning the gun on himself his parents are then shown sitting by his grave with his mother showing more interest in a buffalo game on the radio than her son's death of course this all turns out to be a fantasy it was a fake out it's it's wayne's world we get the real ending after this yeah, well, a lot of movies yeah, yeah. did this move. Right. Couple of notes. Scott Wood really let himself go. I was like, man, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Fat, horrible shirtless, hair. Yeah. Three topless women just well, hanging part, all over him. Yeah. <laughs> the deaths themselves in the sequence are silent. There's no score. Kind of this uh, cool effect of the bullet going through the head with the weird, the blood coming out like frozen yeah, it's like yeah motionless i almost wanted to describe it as like stop motion but it's not quite what it is right it's these weird like freeze frame type things i don't know yeah oh, what the hell is that the guy that directed eternal sunshine michelle gone yeah he did a lot of like i mean his were certainly more like a little bit cartoony and goofy but he did like weird effects like that in reality billy leaves the club without killing anyone realizing he's finally found someone in layla who truly loves him, he calls Goon again, taking back what he said about Goon having the stuff in his locker. He finally buys Layla hot chocolate, along with a heart-shaped cookie, as well as a cookie for another man who also says he has a girlfriend as well. <laughs> what do you think his girlfriend is like? <laughs> Probably pretty cool. Yeah. I guess my shock at this was, okay, so this is like a donut place that's open now. It's well after two in the morning, and everyone in there seems like a senior citizen. <laughs> Like, don't these That's people Buffalo, fall asleep man. at yeah. eight? <laughs> That's Buffalo, man, in a nutshell. Yeah. There's, like, a, I thought a weird tension in, like, the donut. Like, it feels like something's going to happen in that scene, and nothing really does. Like in Boogie Nights. Yeah, yeah. Donut store. Maybe, the, maybe I just have, like, PTSD from Boogie Nights. Yeah, it does have that feeling of things are going too well, because then the movie ends. Like, he goes back to the motel to be with Layla. It ends on a freeze frame of him holding her. And they both seem happy, and it is shockingly a happy ending to the film, which 
you're not really expecting because the vibe no. never seems like it's going to get there. And it's not a film with a particularly sunny disposition. Yeah. You almost expect the ending of The Graduate or something where he finally devotes himself to her and now she's sort of unhappy. <laughs> like she's making a face as if she wanted the old Billy back, the one that doesn't want to touch her and is weird and crazy and yelling at her. And now that he's going to be like this nice guy, like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> because right. sometimes that is sort of what happens in these weird heightened situations. She's clearly damaged as well because she falls in love with this guy that kidnaps her and is not exactly super nice to her. And she's saying things like, you're the sweetest guy in the world. You're the most handsome guy in the world. Which she's like going I, above I and beyond. You, I've known a lot of sweet guys in my life. Would not describe Billy as one. No. <laughs> in fact, you know, when I would have considered myself a sweet guy back in the day, this would have been the type of guy that the girls that I liked was actually dating. <laughs> yeah. I guess he, he's not like completely awful outside of the kidnapping itself, which of course is insane. He does terrible. seem like he's berating her a lot, though. A little bit. Okay. All it's right. not like too bad. Okay. <laughs> not like cursing her out or yeah. okay you know it, what it got a little weird i'm at turning the table. around a little bit the wendy balsam incident at denny's was the worst it got <laughs> when he was like fuck you we're leaving girls stink <laughs> i could add any girl i wanted any girl <laughs> but you know what i didn't want one because girls stink that's right <laughs> god <They're>... me <laughs> <laughs> i only date girls that i like and there's nobody that i like because girls stink they're evil Oh, boy. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, that sequence combined with all of the Buffalo stuff, really just a biographical film for I gotta Matt. I got to tell you, really, I mean, this is the movie for me and the podcast, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to really think about as far as Layla's character, and we never really get a window into what she's thinking, what's going on with her. Because even though it's fucked up, and I'm not condoning it, Stockholm Syndrome is a thing. Falling in love with your kidnapper could happen. It sure. has happened. Yeah. It is a thing. So it's okay to make a movie about it. However, you're not really giving us anything about her. The movie is about the kidnapper, not the kidnappee. So if you provide a window, because, okay, you compared it to Natural Born Killers. In that film, we know what's going on with Juliette Lewis's parents. Oh, right. It's her parents that are fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, they're the problem. And so she's this young girl that gets sucked up into the Woody Harrelson's character's bullshit. <laughs> that at least is like some sort of an explanation as to why she would do it. In this, we don't know anything about Layla. We don't know where she comes from, what her parents are like, what her home life is like, why is she like this. And so it's interesting to think about, but it is sort of a shortcoming of the film to yeah. just be like, okay, now she's in love with him. And why is this girl just willing to go along with this? Yeah, and it, it's fascinating, and it's entertaining, but you do wish that you would know a little bit more right? as to why and provide some sort of a context for her. So after this, he makes the brown bunny, which we've already talked about, and there is almost a little bit of a feeling of self-sabotage. I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks putting an unsimulated blowjob, a hardcore sex scene in this a movie... This is what the people want. ...is going to, like help your career no especially in 2003 i think now it would just go under the radar now 
I think there are scenes with like really hardcore sex in it now and sort of explicit stuff. It probably stuff. just wouldn't get any buzz. Yeah, no one would even pay attention to it. It yeah. wouldn't be big or anything, but no one would even care probably. But back then, it really seemed to put an end to like him as a director. Although, I don't know, maybe he never really wanted to do anything super mainstream again. He has done some other stuff. It seems like he has like something in pre-production, but who knows okay. if that'll ever happen. Yeah. He does seem like a little bit of a loose cannon, maybe tough to work with. Yeah, well, he has sort of reached that point where, again, I'm not saying that he's committed any crimes or actually done anything to the level of some of these other people, but he's sort of gotten himself to that point where working with him might be similar to working with like Woody Allen or, or Roman Polanski now, where it's a big career risk to just be willing yeah. to do it, and people are going to kind of question it he actually just wanted to remake west side story but spielberg got there first so (laughs) he did act in a coppola movie from like i don't know 10 years ago okay tetro movie oh yeah i never saw it but i i've seen it in coppola's listed credits yeah so he was still acting up until about 10 years ago he hasn't really acted in much recently i don't know whatever so That's Buffalo 66. Check it out. I'm sure a lot of you have not seen it. I don't know if you stick with us if you haven't seen yeah. something that we cover. but I think it's streaming on Tubi right now, but it, it makes the rounds. Like I've definitely seen it up streaming on different platforms before. Um, I think where I first tried to give it a shot back, back in the day was HBO On Demand, but I don't even think I got through to the stuff where it's like heavily about the bills. That probably would have like interested me more back then, but I think I was like, wow, this just seems like a dry weird movie based on how it starts out yeah well i have the blu-ray it's definitely more easy to track down than the brown bunny which you can't really stream anywhere and the dvd's out of print what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks well how am i gonna know what movies to see we have a wide variety of gene picks gene's trash i'm gene all right so do you have any recommendations for us, Matt? I can do one if you're doing one. Well, go ahead. Just do one. Okay. I watched a movie for the first time this week, streaming on Criterion Channel, I'm sure, which uh, everybody has. But Is that uh, the only place it's streaming? Uh, I don't know that I know of right now. Okay. You might have to look it up. <laughs> Alexander Payne's debut movie, Citizen Ruth. I had never seen this before and. I don't think it was as good as what he would go on to make, but of course I love Laura Dern. Actually, they have a three-pack up right now. I watched the third one. What is it? Rambling Rose. A a Laura Dern three-pack up there on Criterion right now. It's that, Citizen Ruth, and what we did for the show, Smooth Talk. Right. So kind of a cool little collection. But I don't know. Citizen Ruth is pretty cool. It's got the dark humor, of course. It tells two sides of, takes a you know controversial topic like abortion and kind of like, it's really critical of both sides, it, it seems like. A lot of the characters are sort of selfishly motivated in the movie, but it really has that sort of indie feel, not unlike <laughs> Buffalo 66. Yeah, I think that it was also a part of that same era of a yeah. lot of indie stuff breaking through. I've never seen it, but I, I definitely remember the VHS back at like Giant Eagle Video Yeah, yeah. back in the day. I gave it a 3.5. It's not as like <laughs> polished as... <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Payne's future efforts, but all right. It's well, good, I'm sure though. that if it's not available for free, that people can rent it too. It's out there. Yeah, it's probably out there. 
I will <laughs> just cutting you up. Like that's enough. <laughs> Go ahead. We don't need to explain the whole movie. Yeah, Citizen Ruth, Alexander Payne, Laura Dern. Check it out. There you go. I'm not going to give anything new. I'm just going to issue a reminder to check out Yellow Jackets on Showtime and Pam and Tommy on Hulu for future editions of Give Us a Second. I really haven't had time to watch anything else new to recommend. Yep. So that's just a reminder to check those out. I think... The first Give Us a Second will be Yellow Jackets, and that will be coming up probably around the first week of March or sometime around then. I'm sure people are stunned to hear you not having time to watch anything new, especially if they've watched your Letterbox career with great interest. <laughs> Mr. Four to Five Movies a Day at times. Yeah, I, I really didn't watch like anything this week. Yeah, I get it. You know, you get run down. Started a new job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was super busy. <laughs> Very demanding. Yeah. Well, I know. I don't know. No, no, you're fine. All right. You so deserve a break. Check out Citizen Ruth. Check out those shows. Check out Buffalo sixty six. Follow us on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Please give us a rating and review. Sometimes we forget to mention it. I forgot at the beginning of the episode, but we'd love to have a rating and review if you haven't done so already. We love to see that. If you'd like a sticker, let us know on Twitter. As always, we're open for listener requests, as mentioned several times already, though. It may take a while for us to get to it, but we'll see what we can do. Who knows? Maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe it's something already on the schedule, and we can just throw your name on it. Because <laughs> we do have most Feel of our special. schedule mapped out for right. a while. but And every movie's on it. We'll see what we can do. And find us on Letterboxd, even though our activity has slowed down a little bit. Maybe that's more relatable for people. Maybe they don't want us to see us logging. Yeah, they're like, it's too much. Chill. So many movies a day. Zach1983, Matt Crosby, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Call a moon child, dancing in the shallows of a river. Lonely moon child.
sort of jackassery is this? 